Oh, that's right, Jacob. Oh my, we are live. God, man, and, and what a week it's been. I mean, just to start out, Jacob, just to start out, we we, we end up going last week with Eno Benjamin, right? We're, we're like, it's Eno Benjamin season, baby. We picked Kenneth Walker as a big standout. We picked Ramondre Stevenson to an extent, but we were really heavy on Eno Benjamin. Turns out last week, Eno Benjamin uh, didn't do it for us. He, he pretty much just, you know, stuck his thumb up, you know, like, Pop, and and left us hanging right we, we sat and we twisted on, on the thumb but no it, it's it's a little bit terrible it's a little bit uh unfortunate because we saw Eno benjamin's potential last night now with that being said it was a weird game script right i mean we we saw uh, we, we saw Eno benjamin only have what maybe 50 or 60 percent of the snaps at running back last night, but guess what? He still produced. He still put up big numbers, which we thought was going to happen. He was, he was up at 78%. Oh, was he? Oh, oh, yeah. I, I apologize. I must've been looking at something else. Sorry, 72% snaps, 78% routes. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was. All right. Uh, so regardless, like we saw what his potential was, unfortunately it did not hit for us up against the Seahawks, which is what we thought would actually happen. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. But at least we know that that we had the right system. We had the right formula. We had the right running back. He just didn't do it for us two weeks ago. But we know who did. <laughs> Kenneth Walker, right? Sure. Ramon J. Stevenson. And, and we had a lot of these guys. The Walker, the Walker tilt. Um, I'll say, like, this week was my best week of the year. It was really close to being really, really my best week of the year. I had three lineups that were uh, in or near top 1%, each of which had Kenneth Walker in it. And the holding call that took him back under the hundred yard bonus. God. Like I've, I was so upset. Like, I don't, I don't think that I've had a moment this year that I've been quite as tilted as I'm like cheering on Walker, cheering on Walker, cheering on Walker. And then the hundred yard bonus gets clocked clipped for me. I thought I'd have a shot at, at potentially chasing down first in, in one contest. Cause I was live with Mahomes, um, Kelsey, Juju uh, with Singletary and then Walker and the Walker thing just kind of dries up a little bit at the end. And then Mahomes says the last drive doesn't go anywhere. He ends up throwing the interception. Um, so it never quite got there, but it was a fun week. It was a good week. Uh, and definitely definitely a lot of stuff we talked about last week, like being really heavy on Walker, um, being heavy on Juju. Uh, a lot of that stuff paid off for sure. Yeah, and I, I believe it was either the carries or the touches, by the way, that I was referring to, not the snaps, as I said, that, that Keontae Ingram had in comparison to Eno Benjamin. But now it was definitely tilting. It, it was absolutely brutal with Kenneth Walker uh, to see him not hit that. But he, hell, he still ended up paying out for us and a lot of them. And our lineup last week, it wasn't for me. If it wasn't for me just shouting out, we need to play Daniel Jones, you know, for fun, our lineup would have actually hit big last week. I mean, we had what, probably three or two of the top. What was it? Top five running backs. We had three of the the top seven, I believe, wide receivers as well. So we ended up killing it last week with all of our picks. But I had to end up saying, I had to say, yo, we got to play Daniel Jones in this one, right? It's brutal. We did build a lineup though in like two minutes because we ran out of time. So that that's you know, I, at least that's in my defense, right? Uh, no, the Daniel Jones play was indefensible. <laughs> it, was, it was indefensible. At the time, I said it was indefensible. I wanted to play Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and this week I'm picking the stack for a lineup. Oh, my God. I, f I feel like we're going to end up going uh, with a little bit of, of silver and, and black this week, but we'll see what happens. So welcome to the Big Tilt. I'm Chase Vernon. You guys can find me over there at FF underscore Intervention. I'm joined by Jacob Sanderson. You can find him over there at FF 
underscore RTDB. Go check us out over there on Twitter. Jacob puts out some really good tweets occasionally. Uh, mine, not so much, but I still have some entertaining stuff and, and I share all the good stuff as well. So go check us out over there on Twitter. We're here to give you all the best DFS plays, the best DFS stacks, the best games to target for your DFS week seven. However, this week we're going to be doing something a little bit different because typically we, we find these matchups, either the ones that nobody else is playing, the ones that are going to have low ownership that we think are going to hit at a very high rate, uh, or we end up finding the, the chalky games and try to give you the chalky lineup but tell you how you can mix it up a little bit so you don't fall in line with everybody else. We typically pick about four to five games to go with, but this week there's really not that much chalk or great games we want to target outside of the Seattle Seahawks and the Chargers. And we feel like that's obvious, right? Like, that whole entire game, everything's going to be chalk in that entire game. So today we're going to go through, we're still going to review that game. So, so don't worry, we're still going to touch on it, tell you which players to get. But we're going to be a little bit more shallow. We're going to pick a handful of games where we feel comfortable playing in, in the pockets as to like, hey, we're going to target these wide receivers from this game. We're going to target these running backs from, from this game. And we're going to tell you all where we feel safe and where we see the highest level of upside across a multitude of games more than we typically cover. So... Make sure you all are paying attention. Make sure you get out your notebooks. And of course, if you guys end up having a suggestion of who you want to see in our stacks, right? If you if we start talking about a guy that, that you really believe building a stack around, let us know and we'll end up starting them out with our stack builds at the tail end of the show because we will build a lineup as to where we feel like it is going to absolutely melt minds. Taylor, what's up, man? I see you in the chat. Of course, we're going to get some Bengals in the lineup this week. It's too juicy of a matchup not to, but... Let's kick it off. Let's kick it off with the Seahawks and the Chargers, right? Let's talk about the most boring game on the the, the slate, the game that's probably not even going to hit 20 total points. I'm just kidding, of course. We have two bad defenses with two decent offenses, right? If not great offenses. I mean, depending on where you sit with Geno Smith and where you sit in an offense that doesn't have Keenan Allen. But, I mean, the Seahawks can't stop anybody on defense no matter how great geno smith actually is so that's great for dfs uh meanwhile the chargers are, are so injury riddled i mean we're just seeing team after team after team put up fantasy points against them outside of course monday night's game when russell wilson couldn't do anything so jacob i, I love kenneth walker in this matchup where the chargers are, are out uh, a significant amount of their defensive front meanwhile you know, I, I could see myself running out Tyler Lockett. I could still go DK Metcalf. I feel like the, any any way you go, it's going to be okay. You should feel okay about it. But you're going to have to create variance in your lineup to the point where, like, nobody will play a guy like, I don't know, Devin Duvernay or something like that in order to, to create, uh, you know, leverage in your lineups. So where do you feel safe about the Seahawks side of things? Are you in the same boat where you just feel like you pretty much play any one of these guys and feel pretty good about it? I'm not. I'm not in that boat. Um, so the, there's two guys in the Seahawks that I feel pretty uneasy about. One, I'm for sure hard fading in every lineup. And the other one, I think is a solid play, but I do think he's a fadeable one. So the one that I think to me is a hard fade is Tyler Lockett. Uh, Tyler Lockett, oh, wow. had to me, I mean, Tyler Lockett is always to me a hard fade when he's owned because we've seen over the course of his career that his distribution curve weekly in terms of where he's scoring his points is one of the widest in all among fantasy wide receivers. His ceiling is really high and his floor is traditionally very, very low. We've been seeing more of the ceiling this year for sure than the floor. We saw the floor last week when he was completely unplayable um, in a smash spot. And so Tyler Lockett has always just been a guy where when it's been the weeks that DK Metcalf used to be double, triple his ownership and they'd be similarly priced. 
That's when I'd always want to go after Tyler Lockett. This year, Lockett has been underpriced pretty much every year. DraftKings is daring you to put Tyler Lockett into your lineups. He seems like he's perennially priced between 56 and 5,800 every single week in good <laughs> matchups, and he's getting owned. And I don't really want to play such a, a volatile wide receiver archetype, especially this week. He's been tending to, I believe, it's a hamstring injury. Yes. And last week, you know, I don't know at what point in time he exactly picked that up, but it's certainly possible that it could have been contributory to him having a down week. And Tyler Lockett, historically, if you look throughout his career, when he's on the injury report, he's one of those guys that has not tended to play very well. He plays through stuff. He's active, but he's not typically very productive when he's on the injury report. And so if you're giving me any additional reason on top of his already existing volatility to not be in on Lockett this week at ownership, I would much rather pivot that to DK Metcalf or even to Noah Fant, who saw a season high in snap rate this week uh, and also, of course, saw a season high in fantasy production this week. So that's my take on Lockett. There's another guy I wanted to touch on, but I already had a bunch of time on Lockett. Who's the guy that you're most out on or in on from the Seahawks? I mean, I was pretty much setting you up to just say, yeah, because we talked about it earlier and you were like, yeah, you know, I'm traveling right now. I, I definitely studied the slate, but I don't know if I cover everybody. So I was hoping that you would completely bypass the Tyler Lockett situation. I mean, he ended up popping up on the injury report. I believe it was like midweek or so, but he had a full practice on Friday uh, and then played in the game. And, and we saw what mm -hmm. happened just as you brought up. He hasn't practiced for the past two days. And like you just said, he sucks. He completely blows whenever he has to play through an injury it feels like they almost use him as a decoy i mean we saw it was it his quad or his shin i think a year ago or two years ago the year before that there was another injury that hindered him for like six games we see yeah. it every single year where he does not produce if he's hurt he will play through it but that doesn't bring fantasy points that just brings football value so yes lockett is the guy that i'm absolutely fading uh, unfortunately i gotta fade will disley I, I know i love will disley from time to time but no we're not playing him he doesn't have the upside for tournaments and dfs but noah fant makes very uh very interesting case i mean the guy's uber talented he has seen a, a drop in snaps to an extent and he's seen work taken away from him throughout what weeks like two three four i believe when colby parkinson was scoring and will disley was getting in the end zone but we saw noah's fant production this past week and with lockett hurt you know, we could actually see Noah Fant take over that role where he's getting those third down conversions. He can turn those. He's athletic enough. We've seen it before where he can turn those into big plays. I mean, his rookie season, I think it was what, 38.4% of his yardage came on three plays. And he had something like, like 40 catches that year, but three plays accounted for 38% of his production. So Noah Fant is that dude. But switching over to the, to the Charger side, I mean... Austin Eckler, I don't understand how he's not more chalky this week. I've I've gone across because I I ended up looking up you know the the projected ownership across platforms right, and I saw that Austin Eckler was sitting there around ten percent. I'm like that can't be right. Like we have one of the league's worst rush defenses. Like it, it has to be higher. I think he'll come in closer to twenty, but I don't think he'll be like one of the top three owned running backs. No, no, and I don't think he will. And I think he ha like he has to be a smash play to an extent. I mean, he's going to be in a lot of my lineups, and I know it's going to hinder with the price, uh, my ability to, to play some of my other favorite running backs in the slate, which I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. But like, I have to get Austin Eckler in my lineups with the way that he's been playing and his usage over the past few weeks. I mean, he's been a touchdown machine. He's been the, the, the backbone to this entire offense. It hasn't been Justin Herbert. It's been Austin Eckler. He's been the reason why they've been succeeding uh, over there for, for the – for the Chargers on offense. He's been their entire system. So he's going to be involved up against one of the worst worst rush defenses in the NFL. 
I don't understand how he's not a smash play. I mean, how, how do you feel about Austin Eckler? Well, a little bit of it to me does depend on Keenan Allen's status. So I saw a tweet from Daniel Popper, who's the athletic beat reporter for the Los Angeles Chargers. And if you're listening to this on Saturday night, maybe you, you might have more information than we have currently. But right right now, it is Friday at 6.14 p.m. Eastern time. We do not yet know the full status of Keenan Allen. Uh, we know that Josh Palmer is out and Keenan Allen is questionable. What Popper said is that they tend to do a red zone themed walkthrough in their Friday practice. Uh, and that usually all the players who are planned to be active on game day participate in that walkthrough. That last week when Keenan Allen was limited in the Friday practice and did not play, he was not a part of that walkthrough. That he was a part of that walkthrough this week and Popper expects him to play on Sunday. So I think that that's a pretty interesting hinge point for this slate. I, I do wonder... Keenan Allen, of course, gets a lot of targets in the short area of the field. I am curious how much of his status potentially takes away some targets from Austin Eckler. But I think, personally, I think more of it's going to come out of Gerald Everett. It's going to come out of the other guys. I think that if Keenan plays, he's an interesting play himself because if he's actually fully healthy and ready to go, and I think that he is. Like They have a bye week next week, and it seemed as though last week he was getting in practices. He could have possibly played last week. I think if they're playing him this week at all, he's probably pretty fully healthy and they've been fairly patient with him. I'm going to be quite willing to go to Keenan Allen at 6,700. Um, if he's potentially not going to be overly owned, I don't think he would be coming off the injury. And I'm always interested in going to Mike Williams in a DFS spot, especially coming off of the bad week that he has, especially if Keenan Allen is back in and people don't want to play him anymore because we all know the deal with Mike Williams, right? Like he's going to have the one week where he's going to look like the greatest wide receiver on the face of the earth. And then the next week he's going to completely disappear from existence. And so Mike Williams overpriced at 7,200, but I think he's the only high level piece of this game that might be under 5% ownership. So I'm probably most interested in playing Williams here and Keenan. I'm definitely into playing Eckler, but I'm not sure he'll be the one-off. Like I think I'm probably more likely to play Eckler as part of stacks um, or if it fits a certain lineup. The other one that's interesting to me is Kenneth Walker because like, I think Walker is a good play, but we talked last week, you know, where it was like the nice thing about playing Walker was that there was other running backs that kind of projected better that kept his ownership in check. He was owned, but he wasn't crazy owned. If he's, I think probably the second highest on this slate, like, are you comfortable playing Walker and his profile as an underdog in this game where he's predominantly, getting there through rushing efficiency, rushing touchdowns, early down rushing. Like, is that a profile you want to play at high ownership in this spot? Cause I, I just, I think he's certainly capable as a football player. He's, he's tremendous, but I don't know if that's the play that I necessarily want to make at ownership. Yeah. I understand like exactly where you're coming from in terms of like profile, right? Because like we want a pass catching running back. We want somebody that doesn't need breakaway runs. Like we're talking about like, you know, a miniature version of Derrick Henry essentially where he's not going to see the reception. I just sh should say Derrick Henry back a couple years ago. He's actually running around this year a little bit. Um, but, you know, like we, we want somebody that's going to be involved in every facet of the game. That's going to see all the snaps, but it is the chargers. I mean, the chargers have been absolutely brutal up against running backs. You know, outside of last week where it was Latavius Murray running the ball, Nick Chubb, 134 yards, Amy Pierce, 131 yards, uh, James Robinson, 100 yards. I mean, these are all like run only quarterbacks that aren't seeing targets. So, like, I, I think that it, it is okay to play him, but I don't love to play. Like, I'll have him in like five, 10% of my lineups, but you know, it's only going to be to the point where he's going to be that last guy that I plug into my lineups that is going to make my lineups work. 
that is going to bring you know the the cost down essentially for me uh you know to to play another big time guy to upgrade like those type of situations where he makes my lineups work that's going to be key yeah and just to clarify i think walker's a really strong play this week i'd be fire i'd be pumped to fire him up in managed leagues uh but just this archetype right this big play rush efficiency type guy the chub the henry like at least my general modus operandi with these guys is if they're ever under 10 percent owned i'm playing the shit out of them (laughs) and if they're one of the most owned running backs in the slate i'm probably fading them and bracing for impact that being said like i'm significantly more scary scared of fading kenneth walker than i am of tyler lockett like i think tyler lockett is a good fade in the sense that i think there are other better options to play i think walker is a strategically good fade in the sense of he's going to be over owned relative to his floor but his ceiling is, is still really high and he could easily bury me this week yeah and i'm fading gerald everett in this game if keenan allen plays as you brought up let's go ahead and hop over to the ravens and the browns matchup that's the next one that i want to kind of glaze over because the Browns, man, they're in a weird spot. Like they struggle up against running backs, but the running back selection kind of sucks for the Ravens after J.K. Dobbins, who screwed me last week, comes out. The next play, they end up running into 10 yards and then ended up scoring a touchdown. I was pissed about J.K. Dobbins because he, w- if he would have gotten that play, it was a wide open hole. He would have taken it for 60 yards, would have been a touchdown. I mean, we would have talked about J.K. Dobbins as the hero of the slate, and I would be running victory laps. But unfortunately, his knee tightened up. Now he has to have surgery. He's back out for four to six weeks, which is absolutely brutal. But now we have, you know, Kenyon Drake, who came in, had a massive week. The only thing about Kenyon Drake is two weeks prior to that, he had his job taken, or maybe three weeks prior to that, he had his job taken by Justice Hill. So we don't even know who's going to be running out there as a starting running back for the Ravens. I mean, for all we know, they want to mess with us and put Mike Davis as a starting running back, right? Like, we don't know what to expect. So Gus Edwards potentially coming off the pop this week. That's a possibility. (sighs) I don't think he's going to play. A, yeah, I mean, it just screws up the whole backfield. And this is a matchup that you want to play a Ravens running back. Like, it would be victory lap, and we'd be playing J.K. Dobbins this week in every single lineup if he didn't get hurt. But he did get hurt, so that's off the table. Man, shout out J.K. for making sure that we didn't have to play Dobbins. Um, really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, how I hate you. Um, let's go. So let's go ahead and fade the running back position altogether. I might have Justice Hill just for the hell of it in a couple lineups just because of his breakaway run potential. Uh, I might have Kenyon Drake in a lineup or two, but I'm going to be fading this this Ravens running game outside of Lamar Jackson. However, the person that I do want to go with, I think isn't going to be as chalky as he has been in previous weeks. When we talk about Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews has destroyed the Browns in three of their past four matchups. He's put up 17.8, 16.5, 28.5 fantasy points over the three of their past four matchups. And the fourth one, he still put up double digits. I think he was like right around 12, 13 points or so. So that's still not bad, but obviously you want more when you're playing Mark Andrews. Uh, Right now, he's seen a 34.4% target share with 44% targets coming in the red zone. Uh, I don't think that this is actually going to hold. I don't think that we're going to continue to see this, especially with Rashad Bateman coming back. But this week, we still could because the, the Browns kind of suck to an extent up against tight ends now it's not like they've been terrible right they've kept a very low reception rate but i think that andrews is going to succeed now he is number one in about 80 percent of the categories for the tight end position right uh the big one though is air yards craziest part about the air yards is i think he has 641 air yards right now which is leading the tight end position 311 of them are unrealized (laughs) 
because he has a 68.5% reception rate, which it should be a lot higher. His true true catch rate, if you guys go over to playerprofiler.com, you guys can check out all these advanced metrics. His true catch rate is, what, 80.3%, I believe, or 83%, somewhere in that range. Like it's It's not great. It should be a lot higher than what it is. And although the Browns are good at, at keeping the ball, you know, or I should say they're good at keeping completions out of the tight end's hands, uh, you know, they're still susceptible to a touchdown, to a to a big-time play. So I love Mark Andrews in this matchup. I believe he's the highest or second-highest-priced tight end. Let me double-check that real quick. Second-highest-priced tight end. I know he has a questionable tag, which I think will scare ownership off it. And the Cleveland, the fact that Cleveland ranks eighth up against tight ends is also scary. The price, 7400 scary. I just I don't think he has any ownership this week, and I think he could have a massive, massive week for the tight end position that hasn't given us anything outside of a, a, a couple handshakes here and there. I love it. I mean, there's going to be so much. It, you're flipping the construction if you do that, right? There's going to be tons of people playing. Greg Dulcich, yes. Cade Otten. Uh, we just mentioned Foster Moreau. Uh, it's, there's going to be a lot of people. You know, a fan of the guy we mentioned. People are going to be living in the 2,500 to 3,000 range of tight end. Yes. And I personally, right, if you're looking at how do I, how do I make sense of this when everybody's playing something like this, What's the easier option, right? That you pick right out of this kind of muddled mess of crappy tight ends, right? You can pick the right one. That's one way to do it. It's very rare that you pick the right one this year. Right. This year has been an ab- abomination of fantasy points for a tight end. Like they just don't exist. Right. So you either kind of have to pick the one that people aren't playing as much and then hope that you outscore the ones that people are playing more of, which is a, a reasonable enough strategy. The other way is you just flip the build entirely. You just get Mark Andrews and you say, well, if Mark Andrews gets 30 because he can get 30, right? None of these other guys are doing it because I, I'll tell you this, Kate Auden and Foster Moreau and uh, who's in the what's it? Uh, these guys that aren't, aren't very good. <laughs> they're not getting a hundred yard bonus this week. Maybe they are, but I don't think so. No. So when you're playing most of these punt tight ends, you're looking for at best like 440 and a touchdown is really what you're I literally for. had the same exact number in my head. I'm not even kidding you. I, I literally had 440 and a touchdown. Right. Like that's that's what you're playing for. And Mark Andrews can just pace those guys by so much that it almost doesn't even matter how much salary you know you're spending because at the end of the day, raw points matter in your lineup. And if he's outscoring these guys by 16 raw points in his ceiling game, they have to make that up elsewhere. They have to chase you down elsewhere. And how are they going to be able to do that? And so I do think if you are going to spend down at tight end, you really have to think about how am I capturing unique ways of spending up elsewhere, right? And I'm going to talk about my favorite way to do that. But if you're not doing that, then the other way is you just go the other way. You play Mark Andrews. I love it. I think he's an awesome play. I think he's an awesome play, of course, stacked with Lamar Jackson or Solo. And I also like Amari Cooper this week. Amari Cooper has the fifth most targets per route in the NFL uh, on player profilers target rate. If you go there, he's been up and down this year in terms of his performances because he's Amari Cooper and it's the year that starts with two. So he's been up and down with his performances, but he's been targeted an absolute ton. And if you're I don't think that the Ravens pass defense is actually as bad as the stats say that it is because a lot of that is, I think, influenced in the early in the year, the crazy game when they have people coming back from injuries against Miami, but it's certainly still susceptible Yeah, and it's susceptible deep. And I believe that Amari Cooper is certainly going to be in a situation where he can get targeted, especially if you're playing a Raven stack, but you're expecting the Ravens to play from in front and put up points on Cleveland and they get pushed. Amari Cooper is going to be able to bring that back. And he comes in at that 6,100 range, probably going to be under-owned. So I, I'll definitely have some Lamar Andrews, uh, Amari lineups. 
So I actually like Nick Chubb. I mean, Nick Chubb just came off of a terrible week up against New England, right, where he struggled big time, put up eight fantasy points. If you take away that game, he's averaging like 23, 24, 25 fantasy points per game, which would lead the running back position. And he had a tough game up against New England in a terrible game script. Uh, he still ended up having you know, a good overall yards per carry if you even care about this stuff. But like, he was still efficient in the opportunity. So he just didn't see a lot of opportunities. And, and now he goes back down in price from 82 to, to 8K. I mean, what happens if he ends up punching in two touchdowns? You know, if he ends up getting into the end zone even once, his price would be at least 8,500, possibly 8,800. And because he had a bad game up against a, a relatively good defense, I mean, not great or anything like that, but a decent defense, like you're now facing the Ravens defense who's been extremely porous up against running backs. Like we could see Nick Chubb easily get up to the 20-point threshold that we want to see. With the with the twenty five to, to thirty point threshold, I think it's very possible, especially if the game stays close and they they keep it competitive. The issue is going to be is can Jacoby Brissett not turn the ball over? Yeah, I mean Chubb is the same deal as always, right? He's almost always overpriced for his projection, which is usually why he projects for low ownership. He usually comes in a little bit more owned because you sort of get the difference of people looking at the projections when they're building out ownership versus people looking at the points per game uh, when they're filling out their lineup. I think that this week he does definitely come in under own um, or sorry, he comes in not very owned for sure. And anytime you can play a low owned Nick Chubb at 8K, you know, at any price, really, uh, it's reasonable enough. I don't know if this is my Nick Chubb week personally. I think that it's just I think they're pretty big dogs in this spot uh, to win the game. I don't even actually have the spread right in front of me, but this is my I know better. I just think that the Ravens are going to beat the Browns pretty comfortably in this spot. So I would rather play the Browns passing game coming back. I do think Chubb is a fine play. The only thing I would say is that I think playing Chubb and Andrews together puts a lot of pressure on your rest of your lineup because you're tying up so much salary there with Chubb and Andrews that it, it becomes difficult for me where you get the benefit of playing a lower owned player in Chubb but then you become so reliant on having to save salary everywhere else that it gets really hard to come off of whatever the best projecting highest owned cheat plays are that it, I, I, I'm going to struggle to have too much of that. Like I think you almost have to not play Lamar in those lineups because if you play Lamar and Chubb and Andrews, you're really tight on salary for the rest of your lineup. Yeah. That's a skinny stack, you know, opportunity that you can step up and play like Davis mills. We'll talk about later, but yeah, like I think if you want to play just Chubb and Andrews with no Lamar, and then you can do some other cheap stack that you like, I think that that's uh, probably how you, how you get to that. All right. So let me, let me pitch on this. Let's do, let's do your favorite type of stack. We can do, Lamar Jackson, we can do Mark Andrews, and then we can go ahead and throw in Joku in to do the double tight end stack because Njoku's very, very interesting this week. I'm laughing because Jacob's shaking his head, but I'm running with it. What do you make of Njoku losing routes to Pharaoh Brown? He was down to a 70% route rate last week. Uh, I, I'm okay with it just because of it in Joku's efficiency and how bad the Ravens are. I mean, the Ravens are getting healthier on the outside. You brought it up. They were abysmal to start out the season. The outside, they're getting healthier, but it hasn't seemed to affect tight ends whatsoever because tight ends are still putting up points. They've allowed four touchdowns in the past, what, six weeks, right? Their, their catch rates allowed is absolutely insane. I mean, I believe they allowed, what, 30, 36 targets, 28 catches on 36 targets, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. Um, but uh, Njoku is, is two weeks removed from a 15-point game, three or four weeks removed from a a – a uh, 25-point game where, you know, he came out as a monster. And Anderson Harrison Bryant probably had a massive effect on that. And we talk about, you know, Farrow Brown coming in. But I still think that Njoku is at least interesting enough if you want to try to differentiate your lineup. Maybe not with a stack. I was kidding about the stack, by the way, everybody. I, was, I know that Jacob hates a double stack. 
I was just kidding. But uh, when we talk about, you know, Njoku being that kind of tiebreaker to find a cheaper-esque tight end to, to differentiate your lineups, maybe with like the Seahawks game, I think that he's going to be, he's going to see tremendously low ownership in this one. And he's in an awkward price range that means that people aren't going to pay, you know, they're, he's not going to be like the flyer. You know, he's not going to be that throw-in, but he's also not going to be a target uh, to to play in a bunch of lineups. So I, I just think Njoku's a a sneaky play if you're going to go with a popular game stack for this. Yeah. What uh, what game should we hit up next? It's yours. You're, you take it, man, and you run with it. Uh, this, right. is, this is your time to shine, Jacob. It, it's been all my show so far. It's, it's your time. <laughs> all right. I want to talk about the Texans and the Raiders. Um, probably not the Probably not like a long take here. Basically, the reason I want to talk about this game is because we are living in the midst of a probably absurd level Josh Jacobs chalk week. And even more than on Walker, where I was like, I think he's a good play, but has passed a failure. Like the Josh Jacobs chalk is un- unquestionably the best chalk of the slate. It's $6,500 on DraftKings, absolute smash matchup versus the Houston Texans. And he's seen in the 90% range in terms of his opportunity share the last two games that he played before the bye week and paid it off, right? Certainly did not do anything that would tell the coaches that they should be playing him less. So I think Josh Jacobs is set up uh, in in a totally fantastic spot. He should be ranked as a top five running back on the slate in terms of just his overall projection. And the fact that he's priced all the way down to $6,500 makes him an incredible play. Uh, The only reason why I would say to not play a ton of Josh Jacobs is that he's freaking going to be half the lineups in the field. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? So uh, I'm not playing any Josh Jacobs in any lineup this week uh, because literally half your opponents are going to be playing him. I think he's going to be like 40% owned in the Millie maker. And if you're playing smaller field stuff, you're going to see him closer to 50, 60% owned in a lot of those contests. And at that point, it's just a matter of math. Like, What's the what's the better opportunity that Josh Jacobs is really good, one of the best running backs in the slate, and then you're able to win your eight v eight versus the other half of the field, or that Josh Jacobs is just merely okay and he finishes as like a low end RB one this week, um, or frick he gets hurt or he doesn't score a touchdown and he's a mid range RB two or any number of things happen to the point where he fails, you find somebody who outscores him and then all of a sudden you've eliminated if he's able to somehow fail this week like half the field. So to me, Josh Jacobs is just an absolute auto fade and certainly one that's going to be stressful because he's going to have such a phenomenal workload and such a phenomenal role at his price. But I can't play him this week. To me, the most interesting thing is how do we pivot not playing him? What are your thoughts first of all on Jacobs? And then I'll get into my favorite plays to play in this game. Here's the thing with Jacobs. like If you're playing Jacobs, it's because you're targeting him to be a key cog to your lineups. And you know, I talk about this weekly. Like I feel like a lot of people... You know, they wait till like their last piece, you know, that ends up working out the last piece of the puzzle, which you talked about before. But but typically Josh Jacobs ends up being one of the last pieces of the puzzle where he's either, hey, let's upgrade to Josh Jacobs or, hey, you know, we have this much money left. Let's make it work so that we can play Josh Jacobs this week. He has to be a target because there's nobody else around his his price range. That really makes any sense. Like DeAndre Swift's hurt. Probably not playing DeAndre Swift up against Dallas with Jamal Williams healthy. Uh, and him still returning from an injury. Damian Pierce, uh, sure, you can play him, but why not play Josh Jacobs when you have him? Uh, Brees Hall has been you know, good to an extent. Like, There's decent options around him, but like, it's way sexier at the top and way sexier down below. So you got to start a lineup with Josh Jacobs, which 
in my opinion, ends up typically seeing higher, you know, ownership rates, like regardless of how you want to try and say, oh, well, you can play this guy, you can play this guy. He's going to see higher ownership, right? Like, I don't think that this is far-fetched for him to be over 30 or 40% owned this week. For me, I want to get him in my lineups. I want to make sure that I have him in a few lineups so that if he does have a massive game, I don't want to be out. Like, I just don't want to be out of these, these games. So I will have him in probably 10 to 15%. But I'm really going to hope to hit big like you talked about and just hope that he's decent. You know, hope that he's okay. Hope that maybe Zemir White will actually see some touches and that the the Texans are getting their back blown out so bad. Post by rookie bump season for Zemir White? Yes, yes. It's it's following a, a bye week. Like, we could absolutely see Zemir White see 20% of the touches if it's a three-touchdown blowout. I understand that, that the Raiders are literally using Josh Jacobs like there's no tomorrow, but... Uh, Let's give him, you know, let's let's pump the brakes on thinking that could be something that lasts all season long. It could have just been, hey, we need to get this guy the ball because nobody else understands our complex system because Josh McDaniel's system isn't easy. So I'm going to hope that we don't see the the 90% workload that we've seen from Josh Jacobs and, and hope that that he does end up just being okay this week and that if I do play him, he's not going to also kill my lineups. Well, here's here's my favorite uh, guys to play this week. So, like I said, I'm playing zero Jacobs almost certainly. Like last week with Eno is different. He played in the late game, so I kind of didn't have to make the decision. I thought he was the best running back play on the slate, price per dollar. And then it was just a matter of okay, well, if uh, my lineup is going poorly, then obviously I'm not going to play Eno at 50% owned in my contest. I have to get off him. And I had one team where uh, I had the opening. I had a Pittman. Um, I had the Pittman play at like 0.9% that goes off. Uh, and I had Brees Hall in that lineup. And that was pretty much all I had in the morning. And so I was like, well, things, things are going well. <laughs> so I'm just going to roll with this Eno lineup and we're going to swap into Josh Allen. We're going to play all the, the chalky pieces uh, because, you know, we kind of have everybody boxed out. Unfortunately with Jacobs, uh, he is, he's early this week, right? I'm not crazy on that. Um, no, sorry. I just gave out false information. So he is playing late. So that is, so I will start with Josh Jacobs in zero lineups. How's that? I will switch to Josh Jacobs in lineups where I've gotten my information early and then I'm able to go and swap to him. So apologies for that. In terms of how I'm going to get away from him in lineups that I'm building from the start or in buildings where you want to swap off of Josh Jacobs if you start with him in, Devontae Adams to me is, is my favorite play uh, where you're going to play him. He's already having a pretty phenomenal role this year anyways. Uh, he's been a top six wide receiver and expected fantasy points. Then you add Darren Waller's out. Hunter Renfro is questionable. I think he's going to play, but he's banged up with a hip injury. This could be a potential monster target share week uh, for Devontae Adams. They move him around quite a bit. Um, and so I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities wherever he ends up drawing. And I'm going to play Carr potentially with Adams, or I'll just play Adams. I could play Adams with Pierce and try to play the scenario where the Texans are able to play from ahead. They're able to run Pierce, and then I can bring Adams coming back. He's probably going to be my top guy this week uh, on this slate in terms of where my stand is going to be and getting that maximum leverage off Jake Jacobs, as well as a player that I think is a really phenomenal play too. And he gets a little bit of bonus leverage off of Foster Moreau for people that are punting down to him with Darren Waller ruled out. What do you make of the Adams play this week? I love Adams. I think Adams is going to be one of my top end receivers. Uh, you talked about it before. And, and honestly, like, you know, when I'm looking across the slate, I'm like, damn, I want to play this game. I want to play this game. I want to play this game. I, I think that Carr might actually be one of my most rostered quarterbacks 
across the entire slate because I don't see a chalk option that I want to go with, that I want to try and leverage against the field, or that I want to play with the field. I think that Derek Carr is going to see probably what maybe four to five percent ownership, even if that, and it's just going to be a smash spot. I, I hope that the Texans can stay competitive. That's the only thing I got to hope for. But I also think it's interesting to to play Derek Carr, to play Adams, to play Pierce, you know, to an extent. But then, like, running it back with, with and I know you're going to hate this, but Brandon Cooks, right, who could end up showing some some high-level efficiency. Like, okay it, it, it could be a shootout. This game could be a shootout. Both these defenses are not very good. And if we start seeing, you know, them stacking the boxes because of how much both of these teams run, and it just leaves one-on-one coverages on the outside with with Demonte Adams, although we, we won't see that too much of that. But still, we see these these single coverages, like, we could see Cooks and Adams both putting up over 100 yards pretty easily, hitting that bonus, and each scoring a touchdown, both finishing in the top five, maybe top eight at the wide receiver position. I, I like this game a lot for Skinny Stack. I Like I said, I don't want to play too much on the same side, but you know somebody's going to have to score, and I think it's going to be the best player on each one of these teams, which is Adams and uh, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I have no issue with Cooks. And I always find it hard to gauge his ownership because he usually gets projected for high ownership, but he has not done anything in a very long time. And I, I'm just not convinced that like 15% of people are actually going to click his name in a lot of contests this week, especially I think he's going to come in under what people are projecting in terms of if I'm going to, I know better somebody's ownership. I think Adams or uh, Cook, sorry, might be the one who comes in a little bit lower. He absolutely has to come in lower because he hasn't done anything as inexpensive. Like, how do you go from 5,800 after having 57 receiving yards? Yeah, sure, he got seven receptions, scored a touchdown. 5,800, you jump up to 6,100. You go out, you put up four receptions for 20 yards, and you only go down 100. Like, there's no way that Cooks is going to see 15% ownership. I don't even think he's going to sniff 10. You know, he, he just hasn't done enough recently. And and with DFS, there's too much of that good feeling going around where he has to do something in order to, to be able to play him. I don't, I don't think that's the case this week. I think it's going to be a sexy matchup. All right, let's go ahead and hop over to my next game, the Jags and the Giants. I think this is interesting. I think it's interesting because we've seen such a concentration of points for the, the Giants just happen week after week after week. And they're not scoring a lot of points. It's just Saquon Barkley scoring them all because they don't have anybody else on this offense. But a player emerged last week. A player emerged, at and, and he sits at 4,500 this week. He's a wide receiver. He's a rookie. That's right. Wandale Robinson, baby. Uh, he only saw four targets last game. He had three receptions. I think, what was it? 27, 37 yards, something on those lines. 36 and a touchdown. 36 and a touchdown. Thank you. So he ended up emerging last week to be a guy that says, hey, you can play me and I might not hurt you so bad. But the biggest thing is the fact that he plays a slot and the Jaguars are absolutely brutal up against wide receivers as a whole, but specifically slot wide receivers. Who is it? Paris Campbell, I believe, last week that ended up finishing as a top 10 receiver playing on the slot for, for the Colts. I mean, Jacob's a Colts fan, so I just want to make sure that I'm actually getting this right. Um, Paris Campbell, actually, I believe he did see like 10 targets this week or something. Crazy. I don't know if he was quite the top 10 wide receivers, but it was certainly he was an actual factor in the game plan, which he has not been all year. 
I'm pretty sure he's at least top. He finished at least top twelve, at least according to uh, to the rankings over okay. there. Maybe not the not maybe not DraftKings, but I cannot confirm standard this. system. I, I'm also not denying it. I'm just saying I'm not entirely aware of what his weekly finish was last year. I did not check that. It was at least top twelve. It could have been top ten. I think it was actually number ten or number eight, somewhere in that range. But Ooh. anyways, Paris Campbell ended up having a massive game. We've just seen slot receiver after slot receiver destroy destroy the Jaguars over and over and over again because their roster isn't built yet. They don't have anybody there. It's completely barren. It's a giant wasteland of a defense that they're trying to fix, but it's not ready yet. Meanwhile, Wandale Robinson is he's coming in. He's playing that slot role that we thought Kerry Tony would see, but Kerry Tony can't even practice, much less get on the field. So Wandale Robinson's in charge here. And, and you know, I was nervous about Wandale because they're talking about using him a running back and talking about using him all over the field. You know, I don't want to see that every single week, but for this matchup in particular, I think that it's okay if you play Wando Robinson, and I think it's okay if you also play Kadir, or I'm sorry, play Saquon Barkley. Do not play Kadarius Tony. <laughs> not play Kadarius Tony. I almost said Kadarius Tony. Uh, Jaguars have been absolutely brutal up against the running backs. It's once again, you know, just a defense with a ton of holes in it. Uh, but they've been specifically bad up against pass catching running backs, and that's what Saquon Barkley does. Well, Saquon Barkley is absolutely going to get in his workload on both the offense and defense. When I'm looking at the the yards or receptions giving up to the running back in the air, 10 receptions, 92 yards in week one, five receptions, 46 yards, 11 receptions, 63 yards. And then up against the Eagles, we know they don't pass the running back, three receptions, 20 yards, five receptions, 27 yards to the Texans, who also don't pass the running back. And then the Colts last week, 13 receptions, 84 yards, Deion Jackson, baby, was sexy. He was so sexy in that role. And guess what? Now you have Saquon Barkley, the best running back that they faced by a wide margin, not even relatively close. I mean, let me go back and, and repeat this with the running backs that they've actually faced. Okay. Naeem Hines was a pass catcher running back for the Colts. Antonio Gibson was a pass catcher running back for the, for the uh, Commanders. Uh, of course, Austin Eckler. Okay, we can include him in there, guys. We can include him in there. But then Miles Sanders... Uh, Rex Burkhead, Damian Pierce mixed in together, uh, and then Deion Jackson. And now you have Saquon Barkley coming into this just superb, superb position where they are going to smash. And, and I don't see how you cannot play uh, Saquon Barkley this week. But go ahead and play with, with Rondell, Wondell Robinson. And then on the other side, I think that you can play James Robinson because the Giants have just been allowing uh, tons of efficiency to the running back to these to these plotters. And you're able to take it and just run it up the middle. Now, I typically don't like playing a James Robinson or two running backs across from each other. And I hate playing James Robinson DFS typically. I know that James Robinson has seen a drop. But if Jacksonville can actually get ahead of the Giants, which I think is possible. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's possible. I didn't think it would win the game, but I have this. I can't get on board with this. James Robinson. I know. James Robinson is tough. I mean, there's a better projecting running back on the same team, 700 I, less. I know. I know. And I love ETN. but. I just feel like James Robinson will play against the field. And if you finish with him and he ends up doing well, you're going to end up in the top 1%. Now, that's tough. I know it's tough. I'm not really getting behind James Robinson. I just was trying to find a player to run it back with. And I, I cannot stand. Maybe it's a revenge game. Let's say Evan Ingram. Maybe it's a revenge game. But I, I don't really like the wide receivers. I don't really like Christian Kirk. I can go with Evan Ingram. I don't love Evan Ingram. I can never actually, you know this, I cannot vouch for Evan Ingram live on a show anymore because I've just burnt that bridge too many times. But maybe I'll have some Evan Ingram shares. It's interesting. 
Um, I like Christian Kirk this week. I mean, 1,500, and he, his role's come down a little bit the last bit, but over the course of the full season, it still looks really strong. He's all the way down to 1,500. I don't think he's going to have a ton of ownership. He's he's projecting for less right now than Brandon Cooks, uh, certainly less than Tyler Lockett. So I'll play Kirk uh, probably as my main bring back, but I also like the revenge narrative on Ingram. I don't think I'm going to play ETN this week, but I, if I was playing a Jacksonville running back, it would be ETN. Um, he started last week. He played more snaps than Robinson, despite them playing mostly in a positive game script. So that's a new thing for him. Um, I think ETN is in a strong, uh, in a strong position this week. Robinson. I mean, I think he can get there. I think he can have an okay game, but 50 and hundred, I don't know. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he probably won't make my pool, but I shouldn't say it's, it's impossible. This isn't, this doesn't make me as angry as your Dobbins call last week. I'll put it that way, but he won't be in my pool. Dobbins should have went off. Uh, I do think the Giants is fine. Wanda Robinson uh, did not run a lot of routes last week, but I think that gets ramped up a lot. What I really loved, what I saw is out of his four targets, when I first saw four targets, but he only ran uh, 14 routes, I was like, oh, he probably got like three jet sweeps. And then those were the Wandale package. And then, you know, he'll play more snaps next time, but they'll still have the same package of four targets. That was not the case. Like he got kind of a like semi pick play where they kind of cleared out and they got him in space on the touchdown. That was a schemed uh, target. That was probably only ever going to him. His other three, like were very normal slot wide receiver targets. Like he was just running a little dig, uh, a little cross pattern from the slot and he got a target around, you know, 10 to 15 yards down the field. They weren't anything crazy, anything gadgety. So if he plays double the snaps that he did last week, double the routes, and he's their slot wide receiver in every set this week, which I think is pretty possible as they're ramping him up, he's clearly their most dynamic wide receiver in their wide receiver room right now that is healthy. I would be pretty comfortable uh, mixing Wandale Robinson in. I, you know, I don't think he's a, an, an incredible play, but I'm definitely open, uh, open to playing. Uh, Wandell Robinson for sure, uh, and Barkley always. Yeah, he's, he's like a poor man's Kadarius Tony, pretty much. The rich man's Kadarius Tony. <laughs> oh man! All right, Jacob, do you, you want to cover the Detroit Cowboys game because we are running out of time? We need to talk to Matt about getting a time stretcher. Really quick, I'll, I'll just say I'll just say my thoughts on it really quick, which is that I think DeAndre Swift is one of the best plays in the slate. Really? Uh, yeah, I think he's a phenomenal play. He's he's coming off injury. He's going to probably be playing this week. He's going to be active. I don't think that he's like one of the best projecting plays in the slate, but we know that DeAndre Swift has a ceiling of being the RB one overall in any given week in which he plays uh, with his pass catching role where he mixes in and short yardage situations as well. And especially in a game that they're probably going to lose, that's really DeAndre Swift's ceiling scenario, right? He's the one who plays all of the snaps when they're trailing by a couple touchdowns. So I think DeAndre Swift is always a phenomenal play uh, and he's underpriced relative to his healthy ceiling. You're basically, I think, for him to have low ownership at his price underneath 7K, you're basically saying he's going to play a reduced role because he's not yet healthy. And maybe he will, maybe even probably he will. But what if he doesn't? Then I think he's actually underpriced and he's certainly underowned. He's probably my favorite uh, price leverage from Josh Jacobs. Uh, and I also think Amon Ross St. Brown, um, you know, he's been nothing but phenomenal all year long when he's been healthy. The only dud game he had was when he played like 25% of the snaps. Um, and, and so I, I like him and Jamie's saying, so Jake's not a fan of Swift. Look for, for those that don't follow my DFS content, like all of my DFS content is in a vacuum in a week, entirely based on ownership. I, I don't care about anything that I think about these players. I don't care if I think that they're good players in season long in dynasty, like all of my takes on these players is based on what they are at an ADP all summer. And now it's based on ownership. Like I think Josh Jacobs is a substantially better play this week than DeAndre Swift in terms of who do I think scores more points. I think Josh Jacobs scores more points. But Josh Jacobs is going to be like 40% owned. DeAndre Swift might be five. They're basically the same price. 
I don't think Josh Jacobs is eight times more likely to outscore DeAndre Swift. So that's that's why I'm so high on the Swift play. And I'll roll out full on Dax Dax. This Detroit defense sucks. I love the Dax Dax. And if I can get in early on the Dak Prescott uh, post-injury and with CD and with Gallup and Dalton Schultz supposedly healthy, I don't know how he said such a weird season. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on those and run it back with Swift or St. Brown. Yeah, I, I love CD Lamb this week. I know he's going to be chalky, but I'm going to play him anyways. Uh, I don't for me. It's a little bit of a surprise. You said that because typically when he's not healthy, but he's still able to play, he plays like 40% of the snaps and we see Jamal Williams, but you did bring up the fact that they most likely will be losing, which makes me want to actually play some Jared Goff. And I want to stack with Amon Ross St. Brown and, and I want to watch him just abuse Jordan Lewis in the slot. Uh, I think that it could absolutely be a smash play in terms of what we could see ceiling wise from Amon Ross St. Brown from Jared Goff and from DeAndre Swift, if you want to throw him in there too. All right, so I know we said we were going to talk about a lot more, but we don't have enough time. Like, we seriously need to talk about that and say, hey, we need two hours to run these shows, okay? Let's go ahead and let's throw up our lineups. And typically, we ask you all in the chat, uh, you know, which stacks you want to see us build around. I didn't really see any. And there is one that I think is really interesting, and that's going to be the Derek Carr stack. So, Jacob, do you feel comfortable running out Derek Carr? Oh, well, yeah. Let's do Carr and let's do Adams. Let's do it. It's going to be one of my favorites this week. Carr and Adams. You can pick the you can pick the bring back. I'm good with okay. Pierce and I'm good with Cooks. Let's go with Cooks. Wow. Or, and I'm good with Nico Collins even. If you're... I like Nico Collins. I really do. I think that he's going to, to be okay, but I just don't see a massive st- uh, ceiling right there with Nico Collins being like, you know, he's going to have to see two touchdowns because he doesn't see enough volume to, to get you – 12 receptions for 120 yards you know he's going to see five receptions almost like clockwork he's going to catch three of them and he's going to have 40 yards receiving so and maybe a touchdown but like that's like tight end status you know where that's what you're hoping he sees and and i don't want to mess with that too much i just don't see that ceiling being high enough but i I will go brandon cooks on this i don't want to play damien pierce because i just think there are too many other options on the slate i know you like damien pierce but but let's go ahead and let's let's try to run it with a different uh i guess play and I kind of want to go at, at the running back position starting here. I don't want to play Saquon Barkley, who is the sixth uh, the sixth most expensive running back on the slate, uh, 500 less than, than Christian McCaffrey, who's not even going to be playing this week. Uh, I, well, might not have a full complement of snaps, I should say. I like Saquon, man. I really do. I think that Saquon's going to have a massive week, and, and if the dose score taught me anything, it's play teams that allow you to, to get receptions to the running back and let those playmaking running backs do things. Well, I love the Saquon play. I'm a little stressed about our salary situation that you've put us into, but let's do this. Let's let's just for placeholder, and I'd actually prefer not to play this guy, but just for now, since we're already doing the car stack, let's just put in Moreau um, as a salary saver, and if we can get out of him later. Oh, no, we got to go Mark Andrews, and we got to play Austin Eckler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, just, we'll leave three spots blank. Let's get let's get a defense in there first. Okay, let's get the defense in. I'm I'm good with whatever at defense. Um, probably I like the I like the Falcons defense against the Jets. Defense have been insane lately. Yeah, but aren't they going to be like owned the smithereens? Oh, maybe, but it's it's a defense. Who cares about that? I don't I don't want to. Yeah, it's a defense. That's why I don't want to play the owned defense. Well, it's a placeholder. We're leaving them in there for now. Oh God, any <laughs> defense with the Jets? I mean, like twenty percent of. All right, so. Let's go ahead. What are we sitting at money-wise? We're sitting at uh, 47. So we're going to have to play a, a lower price guy. Yeah. How do you? I, I know you typically hate Devin DuVernay. 
Yeah, no, we're not. We're never playing. Come on, man. Never Come on. Somebody get on board with me and tell him that he needs to play Devin Duvernay. <laughs> we are not playing Devin Duvernay. Look, he's sitting here at 4,500. Yeah, and Bateman's back. It's over. The the, the Devin Duvernay experience was fun. Uh, he had one week of relevance against Cincinnati, and then he immediately was dusted last week. Um, sitting there in our stupid lineup after you forced me to play. You forced me to play this guy in our lineup last week, which cashed, and Devin Duvernay ruined our chances of competing for first. You think that guy's ever going to get back Jones in our did. lineup again? <laughs> that was the one time you ever got me to play that bum. He's a bum. Oh, my God. This is oh hilarious. Oh, my God. The Devin Duvernay tilt is so real for me. What about Wandale Robinson? Um, I'm, I'm okay with Wandale. Um, the one guy I was going to say would be Zay Jones. Uh, we're already playing Barkley in this lineup. Zay Jones comes in at $4,400. Uh, and I, I would like to play someone uh, in that 4K range, and Zay fits the lineup. You want to do Zay Jones? or do you Because like this secondary has actually been pretty decent for the Giants up against the wide receiver position. Uh, we haven't seen any wide receivers do anything against the Giants thus far, which is why I like James Robinson. So I, I don't mind Zay Jones. We can do that. Would you rather do Zay Jones, or would you rather do Wandale? Well, we're already playing Barkley. I don't want to play two Giants. Okay. I like I, I don't mind the Wandell play, but I, I'm probably not playing him in my Barkley lineups. Yeah, I mean, I think this is gonna be the first week where we actually see multiple assets relevant for the Giants. Like if you want to if you want to play Wandale and Barkley and Daniel Jones, sure. I just I don't know. I don't you tend to put two players in from the same team without their quarterback very often. Um not especially not if one of them is expense as expensive as Saquon Barkley. Yeah, no, that makes sense. All right, so let's go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and play Austin Eckler. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Take whoever you want as long as we have salary at the end of the day. I mean, who was one of the, the cheaper options we talked about? Uh, you want to play Njoku at, at tight end so we don't have to punt down all the way? I mean, I, I was thinking we might have to spend all the way down to Moreau, but if we can make Njoku fit, I'm open to it. But I, I'm not sure that we have the salary for David Njoku at $4,200. Like, I, we're, we're tight on salary. Personally, I'd want to double stack with Moreau, but if you want to do somebody else who's cheap at tight end, I'm fine with it. But there's basically no running back who is viable cheaper than $5,400, which is Travis Etienne. Um, and I'm fine making it Etienne, and I'm fine going up to somebody above him. But I think we got to lock in a running back first, see what salary we have left. Let's go with Etienne. So right now we have 4900 and one flex if we play in Joku. We can get rid, of, get rid of Zay now that we have a Jaguar. Okay. So we got rid of Zay Jones. I mean, right now we're kind of sitting in in, uh, in purgatory because because yeah, of the Injoku. <laughs> I don't know about the Injoku play putting us in purgatory. I mean, even if we play down fifteen hundred, that would give us what fifty two hundred apiece. Yeah, we got plenty. Then we're then we're rolling. We're rolling in money. <laughs> what about uh, what about if we pivot off of Cooks and go with Collins? That could be an option. That's fine with me. Yeah, I'm good with that. Or we pivot off of Barkley and go with Wandale, but no, I, I want to play Barkley this week. Barkley's okay, let's do Bar- let's let's make a choice here. Let's do let's do the Nico Collins. All right, let's go Nico Collins. We'll take out Cooks, or do you want to leave Cooks in? No, just just one of them. Yeah, just Nico instead of Cooks. I think this is just a, a skinny stack week. I know Jamie wants us to play Donovan Peoples Jones. We're not doing that up against Baltimore. That outside's gotten a lot better lately. I yeah, and I really want to play Moreau, but I'm I'm being forced to play David and Joku against my will. Um, Mero only does well when you don't expect him to. If, if you okay. expect him to do well, then he completely just mails it in. Okay, you pick any wide re- here. We got a wrap. So you pick any wide receiver or flex with the salary available to you. All right, I'm taking CD Lamb. <laughs> Can we actually make that work? Can we make that work? 
Uh, yeah, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play. Let me go in here. We are going to play. Um, Justice Hill? <laughs> no. Okay. No Elijah Moore uh, this week. We're going to play Garrett Wilson. And then we're going to swap Jets D down to uh, Falcons D. All right. I can see that. I can make that work. We can make that happen, Jacob. There we go. Up against Cincy, really? You want to do the Falcons D up against Cincy? Yeah, I just want to play defenses that aren't owned. That's that's literally all I want to do. <laughs> because the def- there is like no correlation between ownership and and result and defense. It's it's almost it's almost entirely neutral. Oh my god! All right, we're in there. Oh, thank Love you guys it. for for dealing with us as we we just went back and forth. We we have an interesting week to say the least when it comes to these lineups. We wanted to talk about a lot more. So make sure you guys go check us both out us out on Twitter at FF underscore RTDB over there for Jacob and at FF underscore intervention for myself. Uh, that way you guys can follow our advice. Cause if y'all did follow me last week, I would tell you to play Deion Jackson. I was all over Deion Jackson after he was uh, initially ruled the, the starting running back. And Deion Jackson for me was the automatic start. We do a starter sit show on, on Sunday mornings at 1130 over there at fantasyintervention.com or youtube.com slash fantasyintervention. Excuse me. And I talked about Deion Jackson. Was it going to finish as a top 12 running back? Didn't foresee him finishing as high as he did. But I said top 12 running back, no problem, just because the the points that Jacksonville gives up to pass catching running backs. So make sure you all go check us out over there on Twitter. Once again, that's at FF underscore RTDB over there for Jacob and at FF underscore intervention for myself, Jacob. You have something to tell the people, don't you? I do. Look, if you can put on your Chase hat, right? And Chase was telling everybody to go out and play Deion Jackson last week. Uh, This week, you know, I was out saying, look, I know the usage was really good last week. The result wasn't there. You need to play Eno Benjamin in all of your lineups this week. If you can figure out who the next Deion Jackson is, the next Eno Benjamin is, the next person who's going to surpass their expectations, who's it going to be this week? Is it going to be a Foster Moreau? Is it going to be a Greg Dulcich? Who's going to be the guy that steps up? If you think you know, make sure to go to Prediction Strike because you want to be making sure that you're ahead of the curve. You can invest in players like their shares. You can bet on these players and see them rise and see them make money for you. If you go to Prediction Strike with promo code UNDERWORLD, promo code UNDERWORLD, and you make a $20 deposit, you will get a free player share with your first deposit. So make sure to go and test your knowledge on Prediction Strike and go and make that money. You can also find me on Twitter. F underscore RTDB. As Chase just said, you can find me as well. Uh, of course, doing Sweat and Bullets this week. You can find me on the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast this week. And you can find me on Twitter sweating out all the DFS lineups. I'm excited to see what happens this week. It's going to be a fun slate. And I'm always happy to break it down with you, Chase, and with all you guys in the chat. Thanks so much for, for joining us. And after, after you guys end up winning this week and you, you want to show thanks, what you can do is you can go grab a championship ring. That's right, a championship ring over at Trophy Smack, trophysmack.com. You can also grab trophies, belts, champ chains, and more. Yeah, that's, that's a Bush Light ring, by the way, if you are on our live shows over there at YouTube. But yes, you guys can go check out uh, trophysmack.com. Use promo code CIRCLE. When you guys use promo code CIRCLE and you purchase a belt, a champ chain, or a trophy, you'll actually receive a free ring with that purchase as long as you use promo code CIRCLE. Go check it out, trophysmack.com, the most badass hardware trophies and anything to really celebrate and throw in your league mate's face that you can find, trophysmack.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you making money next week.